All right. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Adam Petrus, sitting alongside Hale Henches, and you're listening to Chalk Talk. Today, we're going to get into the NFL draft and the start that starts on April 28th in Vegas. Hale, how are you today? I'm doing well, Adam. Thanks for having me again, and I, I really enjoy these talks, and I hope that we can have a good d- discussion around uh, the NFL draft and, and what we're seeing there. And uh, it's as always, it's a pleasure to join alongside you here. I appreciate that. And with that, to all our listeners, hello, Zebra Nation, and hello to all our listeners from our business partners, our customers, friends and family. We are glad that you have tuned in today. All right. As the official on-field provider of player tracking for the National Football League, football is near and dear to our hearts, to say the least. Right, Hale? So, yeah, with that, as an NFL alumni, take us back to the draft when you had just finished up your senior year at Alabama after four trips to the national championship and as a highly rated tight end. But take me back to what the flashback of memories was like. And, of course, we'll talk about, you know, your story getting to the NFL. Yeah, absolutely, Adam, and appreciate that very much. And I just the, the biggest thing that sticks out to me is going to be, you know, just the incredible weight and anxiety and stress that these kids are going to go through over the course of uh, three days. You know, some people, maybe it's one day, maybe it's two days, but for most people, it's three days. And that's, you know, a, a very long, stressful process, but it's a good stress. And it's something that, you know, you just kind of are waiting for some kind of clarity, some kind of, you know, where am I going to end up? And it's just so out of your hands. And I just remember, you know, I'm hypersensitive and hyper aware to my phone. And anyone that called me, I remember my dad called me um, just to kind of see if I had had any calls or see if I had, you know, seen anything or, or whatever. And I just remember, you know, my heart about jumping out of my chest whenever I saw that phone call and it was just my dad. And I was like, oh, dad, you know, don't call me during this time. So, uh <laughs> If you know anybody in the draft, I would highly recommend do not call them over the course of these next three days because it's all just, um, you know, hypersensitive and hyper aware of what's going on. And, and rightfully so. Right. I mean, these kids are getting ready to make uh, the next step and getting ready to see their dreams come true. And, you know, you're just you're you're excited for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate that that insight. And so I think, you know, recommendation out there might be go ahead and text Anyone who's yeah. in the draft or uh, the, the possibility of being drafted. Uh, but, yes, good advice not to um, cold, call, cold dial them, cold call them without um, pre, uh, pre-greasing uh, the skid on that. Yeah. But you know what? The way you describe that also takes me back. Uh, you know, I did not play in the NFL. I did work in the NFL and, and worked throughout the NFL and then alongside the NFL. But, you know, college-aid kids – getting ready for their first job, multiple interviews, right? There I can I can parallel the the emotions of in the anticipation of having um the opportunity to pursue your career and having you knowing that it might be between you and somebody else. So that anticipation and the nervousness uh, and knowing that there could be a callback either for a second interview or for that first job. So, you know, in all things, life outside of football can parallel this process of going in and, and being you know, hopeful that you're going to be uh, from a first rounder to, you know, let's be honest, be drafted at all. Right. It's a yeah. it is. It is a very competitive and certainly, Hale, you were a talented um, you know, recruit from high school into college with a body of work that was impressive. And yet you were not drafted. 
Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, Adam. And I appreciate, you know, the kind words there. And that that is the realization for most players is that, you know, there's only so many spots and there's only so many positions to uh, be had. And for most players, it's kind of going that undrafted free agent route or even if they're not undrafted, a rookie minicamp tryout. And so, you know, it's you, you're kind of back to that mode of like just trying to make it happen. I mean, like we're all very aware of here at Zebra, it's just a grind every single day to try and uh, uh, make it happen and make your dreams come true. And that's what these kids are, are getting ready to go under. And that's, you know, so much of these uh, of these players are not going to uh, see their name called in the first round. And it's just a matter of, you know, how can I carve out my own path and carve out my own identity despite where I end up and you know, so many of these players are going to realize that, like, as soon as you sign on the dotted line, you are just every other player. You know, you're you're not special anymore. You you have to earn it every single day. And that's what uh, the realization of the NFL is and, and life in general, business in general. And that's why it's so transferable. Absolutely. Look, how many times have we seen first rounders or the top 10 picks uh, not last more than a few seasons in the NFL, um, potentially even one season as that star player? Um, no matter from skill to not being able to to make the jump. And then, of course, injuries are always uh, a, an, a variable that come into play throughout the National Football League. Well, great insights there, Hale. Appreciate that. Hey, I got to take one go back from our last podcast when we were talking with uh, Christopher Strebler and Dwayne Johnson Jr. And we talked about kind of the players that we emulated as kids. You know, I was thinking back about this and certainly I'm a kid from the Cleveland area. And so for me, you know, when we would get watch a Sunday game or if we were playing on Saturday in the backyard or across the street at my neighbor's house, we were emulating Bernie Kosar, Kevin Mack, Webster Slaughter, Frank Minifield, Hanford Dixon, Felix Wright, uh, and Eric Medcalf, some of my favorite Cleveland Brown players. So I had to come back, show some love to the Cleveland Browns nation, which we can talk about their draft picks and some of the trades that they've done here recently. Um, but I just needed that go back, Hale, so I could feel good about myself and my Cleveland roots. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and rightfully so, right? I think that's one great thing about the NFL. I mean, I can remember as a kid, you know, doing the same thing, right, in Missouri, being a fan of the Chiefs uh, in the 2000s with Trent Green and Priest Holmes and Dante Hall and people like that, and, like, emulating, you know, those players. And that's what's so great about the NFL and uh, just the, the role models that it produces, right? You hear a lot about, you know, maybe – things that come up that aren't necessarily noteworthy or, or praiseworthy, but there's just a lot of good in the NFL. And it's just such an incredible honor for Zebra to play a, a part in what the NFL is doing uh, and to continue this great legacy of, uh, of creating role models. Absolutely true. Coming to you directly from Hale Henches, who's been there. Um, I appreciate that. All right. So, hey, let's talk draft, right? We are talking about the draft and the draft is upon us. And, um, you know, certainly lots of activity in the NFL in preparation for the draft. You're seeing, you know, Debo Samuel, uh, you know, running back wide receiver talent from the San Francisco 49ers requesting a trade. Um, he is a talented guy, but he's also asking for a lot of money. What do you think there, Hale, and, and where might he land? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I think that's one thing that uh, a lot of people kind of find themselves in the situation pre-draft post-draft, and you'll see a lot of, um, of, of GMs and uh, scouting departments try to play this game in a way to figure out, okay, like, 
when is the best time to hear out his demands? You know, do we let him go now before the draft? Do we wait after the draft? Do we hold on to him? There's just so many moving pieces, and it's really a chess match between, uh, you know, the 49ers and whoever potential suitors might be. Um, but, you know, I look at teams um, that are certainly uh, in the market, and, you know, there's just a lot of them out there. And, and Debo is a, an interesting position, right? I mean, he's obviously got talent to play whatever he wants, and he's kind of that athlete mode that – uh, a lot of people can do a lot of different things with him. So I, I think that opens up the possibility even further. Uh, but that's certainly going to be a storyline that we need to watch. And I'm interested to hear your take as well. I mean, what are you seeing? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so the interesting thing here, Debo is an absolutely um, talented offensive weapon, right? Um, I think what it comes in, it's interesting, you know, the 49ers were willing to pay him, but uh, he's asked for the trade. And I think there's some landing spots that could make sense, right? But do the teams want to pay him when you're looking at how many touches is he going to get in a game? And is that worth $21 million a year? Right. So, right. so, you know, for example, New England, we know they love a value pickup, but they're not always going to pay. Um, yeah. he could be a good fit there. And they also have some really good talented running backs and, and receiving core, but certainly I think he's, he is definitely categorized as a playmaker. Um, there's, I think, a spot where he could land that could make sense is the New York Jets. They yeah. could be certainly in the need for a playmaker. Um, I think it really comes down to how he wants to be utilized. Does he want to be touches as a running back, or does he want to be featured as a receiver? And so I'm interested to kind of see how this may play out and where he, he'll end up. But I think the the Jets could be a really smart move for the organization um, as, as putting him on the roster. Yeah, I totally agree there, Adam. And, and just to note there, I mean, the Jets have two top 10 picks in the first round. And it'll be interesting to see if they take someone like Garrett Wilson uh, from Ohio State or Drake London from USC uh, or even someone like Jamison Williams from Alabama. I mean, there's just a lot of really good options and maybe that first 15 picks uh, that they could look at for wide receiver as well. But also, you know, they need help on defense. I mean, I, you see here that they're uh, potentially projected to take Kayvon Thibodeau with the fourth pick overall. Uh, you know, so th there's options there. I think that's what's good about being in this position. It's just there are so many options and whoever, you know, figures out how to best navigate that, like I mentioned, the chess match is usually who comes out on top. And it's always an interesting sidebar. It is. It is indeed. And so certainly, you know, other moves around the NFL, you know, certainly we, we have seen what the Eagles have done with uh, giving up their some some draft picks and kind of the investing that they're looking at within Jalen Hurts to, you know, the Saints have a new head coach this year for the first time in a long time. Some big shoes to fill there. Um, but that organization is looking at making moves. You have the Packers, right, which have made some blockbuster moves here in the offseason, uh, but they do have number 12 coming back. So it's really going to be interesting to, to see how, as we lead up to the final moments of the draft, what sort of negotiations, dialogues occur, who changes their draft position. Um, we always tend to see that as of late. So I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen there. But um, let's take a moment here, Hale, and let's let's look at the first round. And let's uh, have a little bit of our own mock draft here, if you will. But so let me just ask you here out of the gun. Jacksonville Jaguars have the first pick of the draft. We know what kind of season and drama we saw last year. Uh, they are looking to start over. Who is going to be that pick um, 
at number one for the Jaguars? Yeah, great question, Adam. And and someone like the Jaguars, obviously they they could use a little help in a lot of positions. And that's the luxury that they have in having this first pick. There are really, in my mind, three great options uh, here. Obviously, you got to talk about Aiden Hutchinson first. He's been probably the first round, uh, first pick overall projected for a really long time uh, since halfway through the seasons, I would think. Uh, he's an absolute playmaker. I mean, he's got speed. He's got power. Oh, yeah. Uh, the quarterback, he can set the edge during the run. I mean, he's just kind of everything that you would hope for as a, as a defensive end and can make an immediate impact. I mean, six foot seven, 260 pounds. Uh, right. He's an absolute load to block. And I can tell you, as from a tight end's perspective, um, that's who you're going to be going against tight end tackle. And having that size is and speed and power is kind of the matchup nightmare for a tight end because you hope like right that you'd have maybe a a bigger guy who you can just outspeed a little bit out position or a smaller guy that you can you know just hopefully outpower but he's got that interesting combination of both and to me he sh- in my mind he should be the first pick just with overall playmaking potential I see him as a mold of Joey Bosa I mean I think they're kind of in that same cut yeah. And- I would agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, Joey and Nick Bosa have just made an, an incredible... Monsters, absolutely. What impact players they have yeah. been on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. So I think he would be no different. And I, in my mind, that's who I think they should pick. But what about you? What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, look, I'm not going to pull any punches. Uh, I think everything's leading to um, Aiden Hutchinson. He uh, he is, like you said, he's 6'7", 260 pounds, coming off the edge. You saw what his body of work was at Michigan. Um, he's got a cool persona about him. Like you said, he's got Nick Bosa, um, the Bosa brothers, skill, size. You know, he's the could be the, the, the second coming of a J.J. Watt superstar uh, from that standpoint uh, coming out of the Big Ten. So I think the Jaguars make a smart decision to go um, and really – aid that defensive unit um, so that they can get the ball back into the hands of their quarterback. And, uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, I live in Jacksonville, Jacksonville beach. So this is the hometown team that I see and hear and read about. So uh, certainly I'd love to see them have that success that they saw when they made that run back uh, a few years uh, past. Absolutely. And I think he'd be a key piece to getting that run going again. And, you know, obviously playing in the big 10, right? So many offensive linemen, uh, in the NFL have played in the Big Ten, so he's not going to have any trouble with making that transition, you know, maybe as someone who uh, maybe didn't go against that high-level offensive line talent like the Big Ten. So that, that will help him out there as well. Agreed. Good point. All right. At number two, the Detroit Lions have the next pick. Um, certainly, the, the the Lions had a rough season. Um, they were in a lot of games. Hale. They were in a lot of games, came down to last second field goals, overtime. Uh, I think Detroit's trending, and I think when it comes to where they need to also make an impact is probably on their defensive line. So I think that they they move and they look at the Georgia defensive lineman Trayvon Walker. He's 6'5", 272 pounds. Um, He's got great athletic ability, and and I think he is a sort of guy. He's a big body. He can come into the NFL and probably make an impact right away. Absolutely, yeah. And as you've seen, right, playing at Georgia, had an incredible impact this year. That defense was phenomenal. And uh, he's one of those guys, right, that isn't like a a developmental guy in my 
eyes. You know, there are people that, you know, maybe don't have the size quite yet or maybe don't have the intangibles. He's got it all and uh, will certainly make an impact right away and will help Detroit uh, sure up that defensive line. And that's that's really the the piece, I feel like, the best key to making your offense better and getting the ball back in the hands of your quarterback is shoring up the defensive line, in my opinion, that makes your whole defense better. And then obviously shoring up the offensive line to give your quarterback more time. So it really all starts with the line. And that's what you're seeing here with these first couple picks is that the front, uh, you know, the front couple guys need to be uh, perennial pieces. Yeah, great point. Look, I think that trends into the number three pick in the first round. So the Houston Texans have this pick. And everything that I'm seeing and what I'm looking at is they are not going to be selecting a quarterback. Um, rather, they're going to look at bolstering their offensive line. That, uh, now that's my opinion. And, and again, we can talk about some of the offseason moves from the Houstons to Cleveland, you know, the birthplace, uh, for me. And I can give you some, some opinion and some insight there from some of the folks I'm talking to, um, in and around the organization. But I think that the Texans look to to beef up the offensive line, and they go with Alabama's Evan Neal. Yeah, great pick here, Adam. I think, um, as you've seen, they seem to be somewhat content with Davis Mills returning as a starter in 2022. Yes. He showed flashes of promise. And, you know, that's what people really need to have a little bit more patience. And I know the NFL is not a patient league. I get that. But, you know, when you look at young quarterbacks, right, I mean, people like Daniel Jones, and Davis Mills and even people, um, you know, like uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, for instance, it just takes a little bit of time to get very comfortable in the system, to mature, to develop. And part of that maturity is getting the right pieces around them. Evan Neal is a great start to that for Davis Mills. And as you've seen, he is just an absolute athletic freak. He can play anywhere on the offensive line, maybe barring center. Um, and, and really can make an impact right away. They'll have no trouble with those defensive linemen, the edge rushers that um, could give him, you know, just a little bit of fits. Not going to have any trouble there at playing in the SEC. He is probably the most athletic lineman I have seen since Quentin Nelson, in my opinion. How about that? Now, did you have any overlap with um, Evan? Yeah, I did. So I, I remember he came in uh, my last year. And, um, you know, just kind of seeing him, uh, you know, doing workouts and things like that, just seeing, wow, this kid's got, you know, great potential. He, he moves really good. He's got great feet. He can bend his hips really good. He's not stiff at all. Um, and that's one thing that you see even as a young guy, right, 18 years old. It's just, wow, there is a lot of potential here. And not to mention, he's just punishing in the run game. You see sometimes with the tackles that tackles kind of can just get, you know, in a mode of shielding people off or like, let's just run them by the quarterback or whatever. He is a punisher. So he's got that nasty kind of mean streak to him in the run game, but also a lockdown edge uh, edge uh, protector in the pass game as well. I love that. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the punisher. And uh, hey, that's what you need. I, I, you want to be on that offensive uh, line or unit uh, if you've got the punisher, punisher on your side. Very cool insight there, Hale. Thanks for sharing. All right, let me let me just uh, pause here as far as going through the order on the mock draft here between Hale Henches, Adam Petrus on Chalk Talk, Zebra, Zebra Sports, Zebra Technologies podcast. Um, how many quarterbacks will be taken in the first round, Hale? Yeah, great question, Adam. I think the magic number is going to be three. So if you if you look at any mock draft, you're probably going to see two for the most part, at least my right. research. Right. And it's going to be Kenny Pickett, 
going first to uh, to uh, Carolina. A lot of people uh, see that one coming. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a good fit uh, for him, you know, playing uh, at Pitt and everything close, uh, you know, East Coast guy, very close there. Um, And I think that would be a good fit for their offense and what they're trying to do. But then also beyond that, you're seeing Malik Willis uh, go to the Steelers. You know, obviously there is uh, uh, he's obviously got a a really good, um, you know, background playing at Liberty and everything has done a great job. So I think that there could be, you know, a good uh, potential role for him there. But also, you know, as you move forward, um, let's not forget about, um, uh, excuse me, it's uh, uh, Matt Corral, right? Quarterback from Ole Miss. He's a guy that I think could easily go in, and he just lit it up this year with Lane Kiffin. Yes, uh, yes, he did. Job there. So him and Sam Howell could sneak into that top, uh, you know, that top 32, and that could easily be an option there. So, you know, I think – I think three is the magic number. Low two, high four, three is probably the number. Okay. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna say, look, I think um, what we're seeing in the feedback on the quarterbacks in the draft, I think we see two. I don't think we get to three. So the over under here, Hale, we're gonna have to come back uh, in the next episode and um, and and see who who owes uh, who a coffee. But um, I think your perspective is certainly um, justifiable. And I'm on track with that. I just think with the talent that's available or the needs that are out there, I think that we get yeah Kenny Pickett at seven with Carolina um, because it is a good fit and it they they, they need some quarterback um, strength. And then I, I do think that you know Malik Willis very likely could go to to the Steelers at pick number twenty. Uh, of course, we talk you know. <laughs> I'm talking more about the Cleveland Browns than probably necessary, but we know with Baker Mayfield, there's talk about a trade uh, that yep. could go to Pittsburgh. Um, he could, sounds like he could go anywhere at this point. However, that would be a really interesting dynamic. Uh, but let me just tell you, and I've said this before, you know, my time at the Senior Bowl, um, where Zebra was the official on-field player tracking provider for the Senior Bowl down there in Mobile, as well as at the East-West Shrine game. You know, we've got a lot of great talent. Um, but I will tell you, Malik Willis always stood out in my mind. I think he's a phenomenal uh, talented quarterback, athletic ability, great arm strength. He's got a great spin rate on that football. He can throw it in uh, off, you know, the old three rivers there. If it's the rain or the wind, I think he is a really good pick and match for the Pittsburgh culture. Yeah. And I can tell you too, off the field, I saw him just a really, he was a gentleman class act, right? And uh, you love to see the balance of an aggressive competitive player and then also somebody who can relate and he, I saw him take time for the autographs. So yeah. my point, he's, he's a, he's a well-balanced kid. Kenny Pickett also at the senior bowl. He had a great performance uh, also very poised. So, and his skill set I think would work well in Carolina um, for what they're looking to do, but I don't think you get more than two quarterbacks uh, in the first round this year. Yeah, no, Adam, I think that's, that's certainly a great point there. And what you've seen, uh, Probably directly due to this, you know, last year, obviously, there was a lot of quarterbacks taken in the first round. Right. Uh, and this, it, it kind of ebbs and flows, right? So, obviously, one year, all of your, your teams got your first-year guy who they're going to try and develop. And then, you know, let's look at offensive linemen. Let's look at defensive linemen. And then the next year, the people that picked offensive linemen, well, now we need a quarterback again. So, um, you know, it, it does ebb and flow. And I think we're on a down year for quarterbacks. So, whether it's two or three or even four, it, it's still – 
uh, you know, not not quite where it was last year. So that'll be an interesting story to watch. Nope. Good point. Indeed. All right. You know, hell, having been a tight end, um, you didn't get drafted, but you then got some phone calls and some workouts. Take us back to how that all worked out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, it, doing that process, um, it is one thing where you just need to put your best foot forward no matter what you get, you know, whether it's uh, just a phone call, whether it's just a, a workout or, you know, people coming to your pro day or what have you, uh, you just take whatever you get and then you just make the most of the opportunity and just let the chips fall where they may. So that was one thing I always tried to um, keep in mind was just like, you know, I'm not going to read the news and see what other tight ends are getting, you know, private visits or workouts or what have you. I'm just going to take whatever I get and make the most of it. And that was always my mindset going in. Uh, and I really tried to maximize just what I had, you know, and um, trying to just make the most of it. And that was one thing. So there are multiple like, you know, visits that you would go on. So I went on a visit to the Colts. Um, they were they were pretty high on me as far as being undrafted free agent uh, from the start, and they reached out via phone calls um, you know, very early in the process, uh, you know, which was January, which is only a couple months before. But that's really whenever those things ramp up. Um, and, you know, I, I had a good feeling about them just considering um, they had a guy named Jack Doyle who just retired, really good tight end, who I kind of mo- modeled and emulated my game around when I was in college. And I thought, you know, that maybe I could go in there and learn from him and, um, you know, be there for a while to, you know, hopefully get to play in a role like that. And um, ultimately, that's exactly what happened. So I luckily they they took me as an undrafted free agent and you get you get the option. Right. There were a couple other ones uh, like Washington, for instance, offered me that same undrafted free agent role. I turned them down to go to Indianapolis. But then obviously Indianapolis let me go halfway through the season and Washington claimed me. So. It's kind of they still of wanted you. Look at that. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where you just keep every option open. You don't burn any bridges and you just never know. Right. You you put your best foot forward. You turn on the tape and just kind of try and, uh, you know, show what you can do. And you never know who's watching. And that was the case for you know, when Indianapolis had to let me go uh, from the active roster to um, you know work out kind of a roster pinch that they had. Uh, they were hoping to bring me back on a, a practice squad, but ultimately Washington claimed me off of waivers. So uh, that's a little bit about how that journey went and everything. And it all started just, again, with taking phone calls, with, you know, trying to act and, and sound like you're a presentable young man. And that's, that's what I tried to do. So uh, it, it all worked out. Outstanding. Thanks for that insight, Hale. Certainly, uh, you know, the 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 sphere of the NFL, it's a really small community and where the opportunities are. 32 clubs, you know, 90-person rosters to start out that then get dwindled down. Um, the business of the NFL is a very unique beast, and I've been in and around it. You were on the roster inside the building. So thanks for sharing that that perspective. And certainly, look, um, you know, from me to you, you certainly had the right um, – you know, approach from a from a business and athlete perspective. And, and also, I think, you know, again, this translate to anybody listening from whether or not you're in college or you're a current uh, Zebra employee. I appreciate, um, you know, that insight. And it, it, it corresponds to, you know, doing things the right way. And I think all of us can translate that into our current, you know, opportunities. Or if you're a college kid now looking for opportunities, or if you're a Zebra employee, you know, internally interviewing and looking for opportunities, you know, handling things the right way will set you up for future opportunity and success. Um, So great insights there, Hale. 
All right. Um, Hale, as we look at the draft board and uh, winding our podcast down today, uh, but in the first round, give me a couple more folks that you think stand out and are going to be great fits for where they potentially land. Yeah, absolutely, Adam. And, and one, I want to highlight one receiver who I think just having watched in the SEC this year just absolutely tore it up. Um, and, you know, Alabama fans will probably think I'm going to say Jamison Williams, which I should, and I think he's going to also. But I also want to point out um, Traylon Burks, who played at Arkansas. I just I remember watching him and just thinking, man, this kid is so good. I mean, he is he's uh, tearing it up every single week. He runs routes really well, even if he didn't test, um, you know, as good as he wanted to, maybe in the combine. I know there were some concerns about that, but like the kid can play. And I, and I think you're going to see that no matter where he goes. They have him projected going to Arizona, which could be a nice replace for uh, Christian Kirk. But I think what you're going to see is that this guy is just going to be a perennial piece uh, in the NFL, runs really good routes. He's a big guy, 6'2", 225, and can be a real difference maker. So he stands out to me. Um, did you get a chance to watch him at all this year? I did see him just a bit. Yeah, he's he, he can move, and he's talented. Absolutely. And then I'll, you know, I'll throw another – name out there. I think Kayvon Thibodeau, obviously they have him going pick four to the Jets, but again, another guy uh, who played for Oregon, who's a young guy, you know, didn't get a whole lot of experience just in college. Um, Obviously, uh, I I think he's one of the draft's top pass rushers, and I think what you're going to see is that new trend of just speed on the edge, uh, impact on the edge, being able to turn the corner, dip, get to the quarterback, uh, and I think you're going to see him make an immediate impact for the Jets. So those are two guys that I think can make like an immediate impact. Um, obviously, there's a lot of other names here, but I'll just throw out two for now. Are there any others that you see? You know, I think one uh, individual that comes to mind where I was super impressed, again, you know, from the combine, right? Um, and, you know, Zebra, the official partner for the on-field player tracking. We did our, our beta testing at the combine um, for player tracking. So certainly the 40, I want to go down. And I think if you go all the way down to pick 27, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to select Jordan Davis, defensive lineman from Georgia, SEC body, 6'6", 341 pounds. This cat ran the fastest 40 on record for an individual over you know, 300 um, <laughs> and 40 pounds. Yeah, that's that is blazing. Just to give give people an idea, I was not the fastest tight end in the world, but I probably ran somewhere in the four nine range, and he's a hundred pounds heavier than me and ran faster. So you know that's that is uh, that is like ludicrously fast. People don't understand just how much mass that's moving. Uh, yeah, the- this is a Mack truck moving at you, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Um, so yes, uh, I'm excited to see what we track on him next year um, via the player tracking solution that feeds next gen stats brought to you by zebra Technologies. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, I'm excited to see what he's going to do there. And certainly when you compare him with Vita Vea, um, yeah. they'd be a, a formidable duo in Tampa and um, you know, Tampa Bay defense has been strong year after year. They need to continue to build on that. So I think he's one that uh, I'm going to be looking forward to seeing and, it's it's always interesting to see how these first rounders pan out into that first year. And will we see a rookie of the year coming out of this first round class or will it be somebody in the second, third or perhaps sixth round? Um, I'm TBD on that. What about you, Hale? Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, if I just had to um, 
you know, kind of just play the uh, play, you know, play a card of, of someone who actually I think could could very likely do it. It would be Aiden Hutchinson for me. I mean, I know it's probably everyone's first pick being the first round, you know, first pick taken overall. Sure, he should be the rookie of the year. But I really think, I mean, you saw Nick Bosa come in and make an immediate impact uh, for the 49ers in his rookie year. I think That's this is very similar. So uh, he, he's got the path. He knows he knows what he needs to do. And here's someone who has just ascended, right, ever since he got on Michigan's campus, just better and better and better. And I, I he's just scratching the surface of his potential. And what you're going to see is him really wreck the AFC South, in my opinion. Uh, and, and we'll get after these quarterbacks very fast. Hey, all good insight there. I, I don't disagree. I think if he can stay healthy, then um, you very likely will see a, a rise to um, an excellent rookie season for Aiden. All right. Um, any final words, Hale, before we wrap up today's session? No, no, Adam, I think this has been great. Um, you know, one couple parting words. I think, um, you know, some things that are, are, are just going to be you know, really interesting to note are um, obviously I got I got to mention the tight ends real quick. Uh, yes, please do. It's always a an interesting story to see if any tight ends can slip into the first round just because it, it doesn't always happen. And when it does, I mean, they are a surefire best player uh, at that position. Right. You look back to. um uh, you know, the people like Noah Fant, right? You know, really good players drafted in the first round. Um, but, you know, beyond that, right, taking a look at some of the ones this year, Trey McBride for Colorado State. I think he's clearly the best tight end um, in the draft. And it'll be interesting to see if he can slip into the first round. Right now they got him at like the 37th pick overall. Um, so, you know, we'll see if he is able to slide in there. Uh, but, you know, as far as tight ends go, he's probably the, the most surefire first round, you know, first uh, first tight end taken off the board. So we'll see if that if anyone else can can uh, trend upwards. All right. Very interesting indeed. And, you know, one of the, the folks that I'm looking forward to also seeing where they land is Tariq Woolen um, from uh, University of Texas, San Antonio, where I saw yeah. him with blazing speed at the senior bowl and he had a really fast combine on his 40 in drills. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where he might fall. I could see him in uh, third round into the fourth round. So we'll just have to see. Um, and so with that, I want to say and I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in and remind you to subscribe to your edge blog and podcast by visiting www.zebra.com forward slash blog and clicking on the subscribe in the right hand column. We wouldn't want you to miss a single episode of Chalk Talk, your source for exclusive tech-informed sports facts and interviews with top athletes, innovative thinkers of technology from Zebra Technologies, and as well as the other sidebar elements that Hale and I bring to the table in our banter here at Chalk Talk. I want to thank our producer, Sarah Zavala, for all her help and assistance. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, Boys and girls, we look forward to the next uh, episode where we will actually talk about the results of the draft, Hale. Absolutely, yeah. I'm looking forward to that, and this is going to be a fun uh, three days of, of watching. It's always a fun time. I mean, to me, this is pretty much the next best thing other than the Super Bowl, uh, and it's, it's one that uh, it's a lot better being on the outside watching than, than being inside and uh, anxiously waiting. So uh, I'm Waiting for that phone call, no doubt. Yeah. I'm enjoying yeah. being on the other side. Yes, I mean, let's put it uh, very clearly. The NFL has done a beautiful job 
of making a spectacle, an event out of the draft, the combine. There really is no more of an NFL offseason. There's so many things to look forward to almost every month. Absolutely. Yeah. Just a testament to where the NFL is going. And again, just uh, what an honor for Zebra to play a part in that. And um, yeah, I, I look forward to it. And it's been a pleasure getting to talk to you again, Adam. All right. Well, it's been fantastic. Hail taking the the Zebra approach and model where we sense, analyze and act. So now it's on for the decisions to be made. And uh, we'll come back here in the month of May and we'll talk about the draft. Thanks again, everybody. Hail, great catching up with you. I'll see you next time.